0: Welcome to the Falcons football party, your home for the best Falcons football talk. It's local insight. You can't get anywhere else but right here at Locked On. I'm your host, Tanitra Batiste, and alongside me are Jarvis Davis, Aaron Freeman, and Tori McElhaney. So it is time to get the party started. But really, guys, the party started Sunday when the Falcons came back from a 12-point deficit to beat the Packers 25 to 24. They're now 2-0. First time in five years that they are 2-0. So let's get right into it. Our top three with J.D., Free, and Tori. Let's start with you, J.D. Give me your top. We'll start with top one of your three (laughs) from Sunday's win over the Packers. I mean, I think the overarching theme
1: for me coming away take away from that game is it has to be the gumption that Arthur Smith had, the going for it on fourth <laughs> down.
2: My number one
1: pick, was Like the gall, the unmitigated gall for him to go for it and then putting the ball in number seven's hand. Like, and I think that there's the confidence that Arthur Smith coming. T- I think coming into this game, like he really had a lot of confidence. That they can do what they do, and that's run the football on a consistent basis. And knowing the matchups that they had on the interior with with Green Bay, which they are really good inside, um, for them to be able to be able to know that they're going to be able to get to that perimeter and get outside on the edge and be able to take advantage of of of, of Green Bay, and we saw that consistently throughout the game. Like, oh, why is he throwing the toss on four for one? That's because they know they can get there, <laughs> you know. So I think that was the overall thing for me, just the confidence that Arthur Smith had, and just the – be able to say you know what I know we can do this and we're going for it I know we can get it that was that was that just I I was like very very shocked and like appreciative of him having that type of confidence going into this game
2: I think it's fun too because like talking about the words confidence conviction belief trust those were all things that came up I know y'all were in there but those were all things that came up in his post game press conference where he's talking about like I believed in the play call and I trust in the players to go execute it. And it's like sometimes it's just as simple as that. And I think it spoke a lot about not only the trust that he had in the players, but the trust that the players had back towards him. Because that was something that Bajan Robinson talked about. It's something that Jake Matthews talked about in the locker room that that trust and belief was going two ways in that moment.
3: Yeah, I don't. I don't have anything else to add. You, you
2: <laughs> to He's go. like, sign on <laughs> He's like, "Y'all got it." <laughs> <Yes>.
0: <laughs> but, but I think I've got to get I'm, to each of you guys to get you the end. But yeah, I definitely am co-signing as well because there are a couple things too, and I know you guys can agree. A year ago, if the Falcons have been down twelve points we probably would have thought it was a wrap going into the fourth quarter. A year ago, the Falcons could have been up by 12, and we were probably going to be shaking in our boots like, oh, yeah, they're coming back, they're coming back. Whatever that other team is, kind of insert. But I didn't get that sense this year. Like yesterday, I got the sense, even in the fourth quarter, like somehow, some way, play calling, actual playmaking – all of it was going to come together and this was going to be a win. So I definitely think you guys are on to something because like you said, Tori, it speaks to the confidence. It speaks to the belief. It speaks to the trust. I mean, you literally said, OK, I'm going to move Jake Matthews over here because this is what we're about to do. And I'm sure you guys know what the movement and this this setup I have here. I'm sure you know this play call. We're going to do it anyway and we're going to actually make it work. And it actually did. So, yeah, that's definitely the we're 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 all in agreement with that being that top one. What's your next one?
3: Well, for me, it, it is about what you just talked about, Taditra. It's the ability to finish. As you can see on my whiteboard, I'm I'm, I'm running out of ways to <laughs> talk the about Mortal the Kombat, Falcons' yes. <laughs> ability to, to finish games <laughs> and whatnot. So I, I don't know if, if they keep doing this. I, I'll, I'll just have to just keep reusing different uh, ways to talk about it. But like that's been the big difference for this Falcon team this year compared to previous years where you just spoke on it where it's like, yeah, the Falcons have built – you know unfortunately a reputation for not being a team that finishes games well now that's that's changed a lot under arthur smith there's been a lot of games where they've been in sort of one possession games the last couple of years and they've managed to win a bunch of those games but um it is one of those things where it just feels like this team in particular is just so much better in the fourth quarter than they are in the first three quarters and you know, sometimes you wish that they w- wouldn't be in that position going into the fourth quarter where they need to come back, you know, 12 points and, and whatnot. But the, the fact that, like, you know, I saw some stats earlier today where it's like if you look at Desmond Ritter's passer rating in the fourth quarter, it's like almost 120. Like the, the defense has basically been getting pretty much has not given up a third down, you know, maybe two third downs on, on 10 tries in the fourth quarter. Uh, they've outgained their uh, opponents 244 yards to 56 yards they've outscored wow. their opponents 27 points to zero points yeah. right uh, it's just all those things that this team just becomes like this juggernaut in the fourth quarter and that has been a such a welcome change from previous
1: seasons and in, in previous teams and, and i think like to, to add to that like we, like we've always been kind of used to how the falcons have, have done like their one one aspect we always talk about the big three right the special team defense offense it seems like they could never get all those, you know, phases of the game on the same page. But when you see the, the three consecutive three and outs, the offense, even though they didn't necessarily finish how you would like to, to put, to get six, but they were able to put points on the board and continue to kind of keep chopping away at that lead on the, in the second half of that game. So you just see it, how all three phases were working together, you know, and, and making sure they were actually coming together and, and, and to, to, to be able to accomplish something that, like I said, we're not used to seeing. And it was almost kind of weird because when that ball went through that upright, and I was just like, all right now, um, how they going to put some pressure on Jordan Love? Because that dude's been really comfortable. He was back there cooking breakfast and eggs and reading the newspaper, you know, for a good portion of the game. So I think that, but when time came to make plays and step up, it was kind of like the over overarching theme for this game, and this is another takeaway as well. I think that when you think about the way Desmond Ritter played in that fourth quarter mm-hmm. versus Jordan Love, I I know his number Jordan Love's numbers final numbers were pretty doggone good, but he out Desmond Ritter outplayed. I feel like Desmond Ritter outplayed Jordan Love in in that, in that fourth mm-hmm. quarter of that game.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, even Arthur Smith said like Desmond Ritter is at his best in those situational football moments. I mean, that's what he said after the game, and I think like we've seen Des really turn into a true gamer when you get into those moments where it's like hit or miss, man. And he, in those moments, he's not, he's not missing a lot of things. He, he's pretty clean when it, when it really comes down to those moments where it's like, you have to be.
0: Yeah. Uh, agreed, Tori. And I like to call it, and I think you may, may have even said it earlier or someone said it earlier. We saw a maturation like right before our eyes. And that's so cool because, and again, we're not trying to call anybody out from last year. So, what am I going to do? Just give it the number one? That Was that the number on the show? Yeah, sure. we don't, yes, we so we don't that. say it on this channel. Yeah. So, but, yeah, last year, <laughs> situational football was a serious issue. It was a yep. serious issue. And I honestly felt like from the time of kickoff to the end of regulation, we saw even in game how Des Ritter was able to mature and kind of slow the game down for himself and then trust himself. It was almost like, okay, so I threw a pick. All right. Yeah. Shake it off, move on. And he did just that. So yeah, love it. Love it. And you're quickly your top three, your number three of the three from week two. Tori, what you got?
2: Can't believe we've gone this long without talking about Bajon Robinson. My Lord have <laughs> okay. Yes. Of course. I mean, <laughs> like, I, I know we're we do only all through
1: things through <laughs> Bijan.
2: I know we are only through two games of, of Bajon Robinson's career in the NFL, but he has been everything advertised. And I think even a little bit more, I I just feel like when you watch him play, and this was something that I've, I've heard other people say, I think I've said it in our post game podcast. It was like, Bajon Robinson deserves all the hype because when you turn on the film, especially on Sunday, this was a guy who's the best player on the field. He really was what he was able to do. He's doing some things out on the field that not a lot of people can do, and I'm talking about not a lot of people who have done it historically or currently in the league right now. Bijan Robinson and just the amount of touches that he has, just whether it's in the pass game or the run, he is being utilized everywhere on that field. And I think it speaks going back to that that gutsy fourth and inches call. The fact that you called it to go to Bijan Robinson speaks so much to the level of trust that I think Arthur Smith and this team as a whole has when it comes to Bajon Robinson. I mean, heck, when you look at him running the ball, you feel like, okay, he's he may be uh, there may be three or four defenders around him, but he's going to pick pick up three or four yards just by doing his little jukey move that he does. I mean, it's truly something I think really special to watch, and it makes total sense why the Falcons went after him at number eight overall in this this year's draft. You got yeah. a cosign
0: on Bajan Robinson from
1: my <laughs> two I'm yeah, like, feeling like cosign on it. it <laughs> yeah. It's so it, it's it's so like amazing to me to kind of like the, the my 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 transition from where I was uh, leading up to the draft because y'all know how I get down. I'm really interested in like guys up front, defensive line, guys who put Same. the quarterback on the ground. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Like I yep. get it. Because, you know, I got a little PTSD. Like, I ain't seen a consistent pass rush for the Falcons since John Abraham. So, I'm right. I, like, I, I need I need, I need, need to see somebody. But as it comes along, and then the spring, they draft him. And then the spring, he comes out, you know, to practice. And, you know, rookie minis. You get a chance to meet him, talk to him. I'm just like, all right, man, this is cool. kind of cool. Like, all right. And, you know, this is t- I understand why they call him Mr. Walk-On-Water or why he turns water into wine. Like, I get it. And then we used to put the pads on. Yeah, training camp, I'm just like, oh, okay. um, Yeah, I get it. I understand it now. Yeah. But then when you come to the games, it's just like, it's another level. I'm just like, oh, this, this dude is like something special. It's, it's just something. But he has that it factor. I guess that's what I'm getting at. But he has that it factor that you just can't. It's, every football player doesn't have that. And yeah. for him to be able to show do what he did on Sunday, I really feel like, Falcons are in after Smith's going to be having fun on Sundays. Yeah. You're I mean, in, you just put it like that.
2: <laughs> you're in good shape when Bajan Robinson's on the field. You just are. Uh, and, yeah. and I feel like yes. it, it, you talk about the, like him being special and everything like that. I mean, you can't, you can't watch him and not feel like, Oh my gosh, the what this guy can do and how he sees and reads defenses and the field that he has. It, while the game is going 100 mm-hmm. miles an hour, the feel that he has for where defenders are in his spatial awareness is just something that, like, I think you could study for a long time and, and never yeah. truly be able get to get to the point where that's something that's teachable. That's yeah. something that's just innate in him.
3: I always say there's two types of people on the planet, right? There's Bijan fans and the people who haven't watched them yet, and I think everybody's now in the first category. Because Aaron, you were
2: them. you called it <laughs> yes. from day one. Yes, you were B- you were yes. Bijan from go. So like, yeah. I get I yeah, I have to give you credit for that because I I didn't I wasn't a Bijan believer for a little bit, and and then mm-hmm. I was like, is this is this really how they're gonna go? Is this really what they're gonna do? But Aaron, right. you 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 from from the jump were like, nope, Bijan Bijan in this offense.
0: Yeah, I can remember having that same feeling of like the the two or three days before the draft where we heard the rumors and the rumblings. It's like, no, no, no. <laughs> but then it happened and we're like, well, I mean, okay, it happened. And then we started looking at film more so than what we had seen in those couple of days. And it's like, oh, 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 this Ooh, is yeah. different. And I can remember this one thing I want to share. And then then we're going to get into a little bit more of a deep dive into the game itself. But with him, when I saw him, basically they had him uh, lined up in the slot. I was like, what are we doing here? And this was, you know, this was of course during training camp. And I was like, Ooh, Arthur Smith has a new toy and the toy is real shiny and we're really going to like it. And then yesterday, something that I liked was at the end of that run, (laughs) I saw that stiff arm and I was like, yeah, don't play with him. He's not finesse. Don't play with him. He can do a whole bunch. He can get you wherever you want to go, however you want to get there. So, yeah, great performance from him, both, like you said, in the passing game and in the run game. This episode of the
1: Falcons Football Party is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Snap into the action this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Yes, the number one sportsbook in America. You heard that right. Right now, new customers can get $200 in bonus bets. Guaranteed when you place a $5 Bet, yes, all you got to do is just place a five dollar bet, you're gonna get two hundred dollars in bonus bets. That's two hundred dollars in bonus bets, win or lose. And guess what? You can do with those bonus bets, you can play the spread, you can play the player props, you can do the over unders, and much, much more. They have so many options just for you. So, what are you waiting on? Go ahead and put the over under on wins for the Falcons. I'm betting over right now. I promise you that. So visit Fanduel.com slash LockedOn and kick off the NFL season. Fanduel is the official sportsbook betting partner of the NFL.
0: There were a lot of goods that we can take away from that. So guys, let's get into it. Let's deep dive and kind of talk and break this down from the perspective of, as I like to call it, the good, the bad, and the ugly Let's talk offense first. Let's get into what you guys saw that you loved, what you saw that you were like, "Eh," and what you saw like, hell no, I don't want to see that again this, this season.
2: Ooh. OK, I'll, I'll go first. I love that Arthur Smith threw the ball to Drake London the very first game <laughs> yes. the, very first of the game offensively. Yes. I loved it because it was really and truly like a um a hey fantasy football owners everything that I said last week like, whatever i'm giving it to Drake but mm-hmm. that's that's a joke in and of itself but the, for for the offense specifically the fact that you were able to use guys like Johnny Smith a bit a bit more mm-hmm. let's talk about Mac hollins his redemption arc we're not going to talk about the honestly the bad for me was the the touchdown yeah yeah <laughs> bad for the offense uh, or bad, maybe for officiating, but I I, I have no, I'm not going to speak on the validity of the call. I've seen the transcript as to why they did what they did. Um, it, it, the call is what it was, but the fact that the Falcons on the very next drive, after having the Packers go up by two scores, Desmond Ritter launches it 45 yards to Mac Collins. And I think that was such a good, a, a good moment for, to take a moment that was bad and to turn it into something good for this offense. And then the ugly, for me, it's not punching the the ball in from the one-yard line. When you had first and goal from the one-yard line, that was the one moment of the game that I had a really hard time getting over. I I could understand and get over different parts of the game. And, you know, give credit where credit is due to the Packers and what they were able to do in that moment and really locking down the end zone. But if you have first and go from the one, yes. like that, that's just hard. That's hard for me to kind of sit here and be like, I'm okay with that because I don't know if I am. I don't think I am okay with that. Yeah, no. So those those are my good, the bad, and the uglies for for the offense for me. Yeah,
3: <laughs> yeah if I was if I was to go, I, I'll go good. I'll, I'll echo what Tory said with the the flea flicker to Mac Hollins. Like yeah. I like the fact that that was a third down. Like usually teams will take a shot play on first down to start a drive to try to get things going. But the fact it was third and three, you know, Green Bay's geared up to stop the run, and they're like, we're going to run a little flea flicker, and we're going to heave it downfield to Matt Collins, get that explosive play to set up, uh, you know, one of those scores in the second half, I think was the good for me. The bad, I would say, you know, I thought Matthew Bergeron had a great week one. I thought he had a rough week two. I I think he kind of had his welcome to the NFL moment in week two as opposed to week one. So – but like, you know, he's a rookie. He, he figured it out. The ugly for me was probably a couple of those dropped interceptions from Desmond Ritter. It was just like, Ooh, I don't know about these throws. So it's like, <laughs> uh, I'll just pretend. We'll just pretend fourth quarter Desmond Ritter showed up and it's like, oh I'll God. just ignore the rest of this. Because <laughs> was, it was not very pretty with some of those interceptions that probably should have been caught and, you know. Fortunately, they weren't, uh, but th- th- those were pretty ugly throws. Uh,
1: I think the good, the good for me, it would have to be kind of like what kind of Tori kind of touched on as far as this is the second consecutive game that we've seen in the second half of games that Ritter has a chunk play. Like I, I talked about coming into this game. I was just like, all right, I need to see at least two, maybe even three. You know, kind of connect on those on on those shots downfield because the more he the more he does that, more Desmond Ritter does that, the more teams are going to ease up just a little bit, and you're going to be able to have opportunity to do them a little bit more because those are some of the things that I feel like what Arthur Smith wants to do because you know, like the man literally rectify, you know, uh, resurrected excuse me, uh, Ryan Tannehill's career off of that. Like he, they were able to run the run 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 with Derrick Henry and then. Ryan Tanner here does have an arm They have the arm strength to get to push the ball down the field and I think that's what what he's trying to get Desmond Ritter to get to because the more and more he connects on that, I I feel like this is going to be something that's going to be good for this offense going forward to help balance that bad boy out. The bad, it will probably have to be, oh Lord. Um, the beginning of the, the beginning of the game, I was saying, like maybe the first quarter going into like the second quarter, they start to look eerily similar to the a game last week against Carolina, when when Derrick Brown started lining up over everybody on the offensive line and start slapping everybody upside the head, Brian Burns flipping back and forth from Jake Matthews to Caleb McGarry and say, hey, I'm going. Where, I, where you want to line up, coach, I got you. And not matter who I'm lined up against, I'm going to get him. Yeah. And then you saw Kenny Clark start getting off, and you saw yeah. Sean Gary starting to do his thing. I was like, all right, man, uh, I'll at least stop Preston Smith. Like, I understand. Like, he's been in the league for quite some time. I'm like, Don't let him get off, too. So, but, you know, you start to slowly see those guys start to rectify. But in the beginning of the game, I thought, I was like, oh, yeah, this is going to be bad. But as far as the ugly goes, oh, man. Kyle Pitts, like, when ain't gonna get him the rock. Like, what are we doing? Like, I'm sitting up here trying to look at the look at the film. I was like, okay, now why are they not getting the ball? Okay, like, what's going on? Is he not running his routes? Or, or, or is Desmond Ritter, it seemed like only way, only time they really get the ball to Kyle Pitts is when the play breaks down or, or uh, Desmond Ritter kind of rolls out and kind of finds him and kind of dumps it off to him. I was like why can't they get him in the flow of the offense you know like he did it for Drake Drake did it got it you know why he can't do it for Kyle so I think just that's the ugly part for me just just this uh the continuing continuation of like why Kyle Pitts can't get the rock (laughs) like that's that's that's, that'll be the ugly for me
0: gotcha and this will be a small one as far as the good goes but it was good to see that I think we all thought Cordero Patterson was going to lace up, right? I think we all thought he was going to play and he didn't. But the fact that you could still have as many weapons out there because Desmond Ritter got that ball to just about, it felt like just about everybody with the exception of KP, but it felt like he got the ball to just about anybody he wanted to. And I was thinking just to myself, like, How good is it that Arthur Smith has that many weapons where he can hold Cordero Patterson out one more week and say, hey, even if you're like close to 100 percent, but you're not 100 percent, we got enough weapons to get this thing done. So that was a small good, but a good nonetheless. I think the bad for me was probably like, oh, no, oh, no, not a throw, not a throw on first and not, not that the one yard line. Please don't try to be cute. You were cute. And then you were cute twice. And then that ends up getting us a field goal. And for a moment, I was like, it was a twitch, like a 2022 twitch, like, oh, God, it's going to be three points every time again. But it didn't happen. And so it was bad. It was kind of like bad, like you said, Tori, bad meaning good, because at least we saw one good time and we never saw them make those questionable calls again, or try to get too cute in an obvious situation where you had more than enough guts. Even if you've got Desmond Ritter going over the top, I don't give a darn what you do. Just make sure you punch it in as opposed to try to pass it in. And it's ugly, 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 I don't care. I read, reread that email that John Dayton sent us as far as what the league said and their explanation about Mac Collins and tippy toeing versus leaning forward. Matt and, <laughs> leaning and blah, blah, blah. And I was just like, <laughs> oh my God, this is lit- literally taking me back to the days. And, and I know you guys will remember the name, but it's literally taking me back to the days of was it a catch by that Cowboys receiver? Was it not a catch? Des Bryant. Um, Was it a catch by Des or was it not? I feel like this is one of those where, or taking it back to Grady Jarrett, when he didn't get the credit that he deserved on the play. And I forget what the play was, but that ended up changing a rule against, you know, with the play against the Buffs. So I feel like it's one of those where this might be one that gets revisited because even after the explanation, I just did not feel like it was as clean or clear as it should have been. That was a touchdown. Now, we've talked about all the good on offense, but let's give this defense some love because low key, you don't get in position to come back from a 12-point deficit unless your defense is doing something to give you the ball back and put you in position to get the, the comeback win and to go up 2 Oh, So what's the good? What's the bad? And it was the
1: ugly that we saw on the other side of the ball on Sunday? Uh,
3: well, I probably had to say, oh, go ahead, go ahead, Aaron. I was going to say the good for me that immediately jumps out is Nate Landman stepping yes! in for Yes, that's what I was yes! going to say. That was, yes! yes! that was my good. Yeah,
2: Absolutely. Um,
3: because good like I think the linebacker depth was a. Area of concern all summer long was like, hmm, do yes. we have do we have good linebackers? I don't know if we have good linebackers. There. <laughs> and it was like Nate Lamon, I thought played pretty well in the summer. So it was like okay, like I know Nate Landman is competent, but it was like I don't know if I want Nate Lamont playing a, a game if if in the event of an injury and I thought he played really well. Like he was really good against the run. I was concerned that maybe green Bay was going to really go after him and and use some of their young tight ends Mm -hmm. uh, in coverage to sort of exploit. that. And it was basically a non-issue in this game. And so it's like, you know, I don't know about the rest of the Falcons' linebacker room, you know, after their starters, but I do know Nate, Nate Landman. He showed that that he's pretty good, so that that would be my good for the defense.
2: Yeah, and he, I'll add this too. Like when he did show up, he showed up pretty big. I mean, I think about the the stop. I, th- I believe it was the second drive for the Packers right before Jordan Love jumped or fall started, and and they Ooh. had to punt because they're trying to go for it, and he for some reason fell over his. Uh, offensive line I I don't
1: know yeah I don't know weird play
2: (laughs) I don't know what happened but the play before that the reason they were in that situation to begin was was because Nate Lehman had a stop and I I to be in that moment where you have to give the ball back to your offense to give you a chance to not just stay alive but go and win it Mm -hmm. like the fact that it was Nate Lehman who stepped up big in the run game especially so one of my like to to go off of this one of the the bads that I had was was that I, I want to see more from this defensive front in terms of being able to stop the run because mm-hmm. I, I'm pretty sure – I went back and looked. I think Carolina averaged 4.8 yards per carry and then Green Bay averaged four yards a carry. I mean, granted, in the grand scheme of things, the Falcons are averaging five yards against, their opponent, against Carolina and then 4.7 yards against Green Bay when they run the ball. But I think in terms of this defense getting the best – being the best that it can it's being able to stop the run because you know against detroit they're gonna want to run the ball you know they can run the ball and so i think like the fact that like nate layman was able to come up with a stop specifically when green bay's trying to bleed the clock by running the ball i thought that was a really important moment
1: yeah like i am i'm I'm, I'm, a, I'm gonna agree with you all on all of that because I was actually getting a chance watch just watching it earlier watching the game a little bit earlier and just to be able to see how Nate Lamon was just able to fill those gaps like I was just like man this like I understand why like this is the, this is the beauty of this regime right because now even though I might disagree sometimes with the personnel choosings you know of their choosing but I think once those guys hit the field though there are some guys that you feel like and you say you look at them on Sundays and at the end of the game you say
2: I understand, I get it. It makes sense. And Nate Lambin, <laughs> it
1: makes sense. Nate yeah. Lamon is one of those guys. And I was just like, wow, because, you know, for them to be able to, you know, cut Michael Walker, like very early, <laughs> you know, and it just kind of goes to show the type of confidence. We talk about trust and confidence, right? That's the theme, you know, and that they have in the guys that they, that they choose. It's just a really smooth, real cool type of thing they got going on with this personnel department. For them to be able to plug and play guys, and we're not even mentioning that. Oh man, Troy Anderson didn't play this week. Like, right. like, all right, cool. Like, right, Troy Anderson ain't playing this week. All right, cool. Oh, yeah. Nate, go ahead, do your thing. and that's a that's a good, that's a beautiful thing to see.
0: Yeah, and for me, agreeing with you guys and just saying we're always talking about the importance of hashtag Pass Rush Matters or hashtag Getting Home Matters. Hey, Caden Ellis, nice to see you enter the chat. So I'm going to give Caden Ellis my good for yesterday. Now, what about our bad on the defense? I think you guys definitely talked a little bit about that. So if anybody has any other bad or ugly that you want to chime in on, hey, get it in there.
3: Well, I'll, I'll say this because I, I know we're going to move on to the next. What do we want to see sort of next? And so I guess for me, my bad would be like, Trey Flowers, I'm like, uh, oh, this was this was a little rough game for Trey Flowers. And so, you know, um, when it comes to like what's next for the Falcons, I'm like, you know,
0: when's Jeff Kuda coming back? That's 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 kind of where, where <laughs> yes. I'm at. So you know. I think we're all there. I think yeah. we're all there. Yeah, he's one of the seven who wasn't active yesterday that we were like, ooh, well, next week, maybe possibly definitely are gonna need that against the lions. Speaking of this, might be a tougher test, if you will. And we know what the lines looked like yesterday, but we also know what the lines looked like in week one. So it'll be interesting to kind of see what that test is as the Falcons go on the road for the first time this season. And listen, your who got next can be whatever you want it to be. That can be a look ahead to the opponent. And if you see one important key to the game or who's that next guy who you feel needs to step up or who's the next factor as in the X factor, Against the Lions so that the Falcons will have a three and and0 record and we can come back here next Monday talking about a win.
1: I crank it up. How about this? <laughs> AJ Terrell, sir, you have a task on hand for this week because I feel like he's been kind of sleeping his way through the season because, you know, like. Who's tested them? You know, Christian Watson, uh, Green Bay's number one wide receiver, uh, wasn't, you know, wasn't, was out. So it was kind of like, all right, Romeo Dobbs, all right, okay, whatever. In the first week, you know, Adam Thielen, uh, okay, uh, nobody. You know, Arquivius Mingo, not Arquivius Mingo, I'm sorry. Mingo, the wide receiver out of Ole Miss. Sorry, I'm just throwing old names out there. That's how old <laughs> I am, y'all. Y'all forgive me. But, you know, it's just, just, it's just my point is just the fact that he hasn't been tested you know in these first couple first couple of games he obviously had the penalty against green um green bay um at the, in that first drive and then he just kind of smoothed out from then on but i, I think that this with amara saint brown is an absolute man child the dude is coming and they're going to feed him the rock and he has been absolutely outside outside out of mind in these first couple weeks so yeah i think yeah um aj terrell you're up you're up next man
2: He's also had a, a couple touches on some near interceptions in the last two games. And I think it, yes. his, his numbers do up. I, I, I feel like it's, mm. it's that time. Um, For me, I got to go back to what I was talking about before and just being able to see progress in the Falcons defensive front, being able to consistently stop the run. I, I think you see spurts of it, but I, I don't know if the, over the last two games it's been consistent enough where I would like it. I want to see more, Also, I want to see more just like general pressure from the interior of this defensive line. I think we've seen a lot of blitz packages that have worked for the Falcons, considering the fact that Troy Anderson and Caden Ellis both have sacks. And and I think that's really important. But I want to see just some one-on-one matchups where this defensive front is kind of getting to the quarterback. And I think there are some good opportunities potentially coming up against Detroit where you would want to see progress made with this defensive front kind of being a bit more of a problem at the line of scrimmage, whether yeah. that is just kind of winning their one-on-one matchups against the offensive linemen or just making it a point to stop the run and, and making it obvious that this is something that they, they said, you know what, maybe in the first two weeks we, we weren't doing that at the clip that we wanted to. And now against Detroit, when you have, you know, Jameer Gibbs. This is gonna be the Jameer Gibbs Bajan Robinson show if if neither of these defensive fronts stop that. So I think for the Falcons specifically, that to me is a goal when you're looking at this this Detroit team.
3: Yeah, I think the for me the intriguing matchup for this Lions game is the Lions offense versus the Falcons defense. I thought yeah. that was the intriguing matchup last week with the Packers, and it feels like each week it's been a step up for the falcons you start with the panthers no offense to the panthers but like it wasn't as if like they were uh, some offensive juggernaut going into that game um Indeed. and then the the packers are just uh, level up there and i feel like the lions are are uh, another step up in the direction and you know you're not going to have the home crowd behind you this week as well uh which i think you know shout out to the home fans for yeah. uh, getting behind the team especially late in the games so like i think this is going to be a real great litmus test to see where this defense is at we know that they're much much better than the defenses the falcons have fielded for what the last 12 years it seems like yeah. <laughs> at this point time. <laughs> at least so, yeah so <laughs> like you know i think this lions team presents a lot of challenges one of the better offensive lines of football I'm on ross st brown You know, Jared Goff is is certainly a very competent quarterback. You have a very good play caller in Ben Johnson in Detroit. Uh, Jameer gives another dynamic weapon that you're going to have to deal with. So I think, you know, this Lions offense checks a lot of boxes that could challenge this Falcons defense, and I'm curious to see if they answer the challenge.
0: Indeed. So it's going to be interesting to see because I think we all agree that this is the challenge, that next level challenge for the Falcons to really prove what they can do, especially on the road. And yeah, I've been covering Jameer Gibbs since high school and Jameer yep. Gibbs is the absolute truth. So I cannot wait to see mano Amano uh, Gibbs versus Robinson next week. But listen, we appreciate you guys stopping by our inaugural Falcons football party for Tori. JD and Aaron. I am Tanitra. And guys, make sure you tell a friend about us to come back next week for the Falcons football party.